big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today's podcast is all about partnerships and it's another Q&A. So we've had lots of lovely questions coming in. Thank you so much for all of those. And we're going mm. to do our utmost to respond. And as always, when we're responding to questions, please hold in mind that, you know, we're just reading a few sentences and um, really guessing based on what you are sharing with us. This is not to, you know, to replace going and having sessions with someone so if you are you know if you're having a hard time we always recommend connecting with an aware parenting instructor or a counselor or therapist to to get some support Mm, yes beautiful and I'm just going to say um currently I'm recording down at my school so you may hear the beautiful sounds of children playing and laughing which is the most beautiful sound and if that's in the background today that's because I'm at my school and you'll probably hear the beautiful sounds of the birds chirping <laughs> in Marion's background because she lives in the beautiful with the beautiful birds. <laughs> so I, uh, I just, I, you know, I love that we are so real and organic in our podcast. Where all these beautiful noises come and just add to the ambience. <laughs> ambience yum yeah yeah beautiful so I feel like this podcast is one that um or just this topic is something that it it can't not turn up in in when we're parenting because to come back to the basics we both come from different families we were raised often in different ways Uh, we bring all our own stories or what I would say imprints to you know the new family that we're creating and it is inevitable that some of our wounds or past hurts or stuff that we need to work through is going to be activated when we're in partnership. So even if you don't have children, and we know this, that stories come up in partnership, whether we feel like our partner doesn't listen, whether we feel like they don't pull their weight, whether um, they feel that we nag all the time, like whatever it is that we often have the rub up against relationship well, I know the way I look at it, and I'm sure you do too, Marion, is it's an invitation to lean into, hmm, what's this about for me? Because as you so beautifully put it, there's there's a quote or there's something that you say, Marion, I can't remember it off the top of my head, which is really about often our unfinished wounds or stuff that we carry from our childhood will turn up with our partners. And um, it can often tap us into the unconscious parts of us that are still working through the childhood wounds and we can often do that with our current partner so we can play out an authoritarian father element you know or we can play out you know the being the good boy and feeling like we can never get it right in the eyes of our mother I mean there's many different configurations of that but there is no doubt I have found in my own relationship and also working with a lot of people that we bring a lot of those stories to the current relationship and we are very good as human at you we are very good as humans making it about the other person where the other person is wrong if only they would do this or if only they would change that then we would be okay and as we know so much of parenting consciously or aware parenting is really leaning into well what is this about for me and what does this bring up and and where am I sitting in this big story? So, you know, relationships are just dynamite for this stuff. Mm, I love all of that, Lael. And, you know, the way I see it, and it's this isn't aware parenting, but and I believe that we will often choose partners who remind us in some ways of our family of origin, even though we may not see that right at the beginning when we're in that lovely honeymoon phase. Um, and I, the, the way I see it is that we do that on purpose too, because we're constantly wanting to heal what hasn't been heard and healed for the first time around. And so uh, exactly as you said, Lael, that these, uh, you know, rather than those being things that are wrong, these are opportunities, I would say. And the more we can understand that, the more we can see when we're being reactive with our partner or ex-partner, that that is an opportunity to listen to see where it comes from of course actually see what times where we may 
um, you know, there may be things we need to speak speak our no to. So it's not just about doing our own inner work. It is about relationship. But it's, it changes everything, doesn't it, when we see it as an opportunity and part of the process. Just like parenting, you know, really seeing that, that part of it is the con continual, constant, repeated opportunities that we get to to see what shows up for us from our younger experiences that just just wants to be heard just wants to have reparative experiences mm. changes everything doesn't it it does yeah. mm. and I think if you know in an ideal world we would do all our own emotional growth work before we partner up <laughs> we would we would do all that beautiful therapy and we would look at our stories and we would unpack them all and we would be very very aware of the wounds that present themselves and then we would you know go out there and seek and find a partner and so you come to the relationship you know not not as you're going to fix me and make me feel better and make me feel enough we would come to the relationship with a consciousness and and a healed place within you perhaps but we don't do that we kind of seek out the person exactly as you say that can go hey I'll help I'll reflect back to you where your story is hey I'm the perfect person to do this oh you've got some feelings there great I'm going to do that so we we kind of seek them out and we do that and then and then we decide to have children <laughs> so then we just throw another beautiful beautiful thing into the mix and then of course we have children and we bring our own stories to that parenting. And, you know, I, I've seen this a lot. Well, this was kind of how it played out in my relationship and also with many people I've worked with, and I'm sure you've watched this too, Marion, is, you know, one parent perhaps becomes very authoritarian and uses a lot of power over, and then the other parent becomes, you know, very permissive and wanting to keep the peace. And we start again playing out what happened in our own families of origin. And, and then we often have, you know, discussions or disagreements of how it should be and you know that played out for me my husband his default often was to power over our kids in their early days and mine was just to make it all be okay all the time so I'm trying to sing songs and make it be all okay and all all right and my husband's like that's not good enough <laughs> so and it just it was not very nice at all because we were both just in our stories and you know, I didn't really have boundaries and limits that I could hold and set because I felt very scared about what that would happen. And my husband had a story of if I'm not in control here, then it's not going to be okay. So, of course, we brought that to our parenting and, and our kids were sitting in the middle going, can you two adults please sort this out because it doesn't feel very harmonious in our family. And, you know, that was ultimately what drove me to looking at this and doing this work. So that we could have had that harmonious approach and that we could heal our stuff and then bring that to our family so our children did know, you know, where the foundation sat and it did feel safe for them to express themselves and all the beautiful stuff we've seen since. So it's very common, you know, that we come to relationships with our wounds, that we work through them, that we, you know, we then can project them onto our kids or just there's many elements that go with it. So, of course, as, as we say all the time, compassion compassion for yourself whatever your story is whatever you're bringing to the mix however it feels for you in your relationship lots of compassion for us all doing the best job that we know how and um and continuing to do the work mm, i'm so, i'm so resonating with what you said about the permissiveness and authoritarianness so in the you know my work the marion method work i talk about love and will and i see that so often don't really that that one partner will often polarize and it has um historically often been if it's a heterosexual relationship that the woman polarizes more toward love but without enough will so that's the permissiveness and the, the man more to uh the the authoritarianness so not enough love and i do often find that's can be such if it is and whatever the polarity is and whoever and what gender the person is that that often it does split in that way and we get that opportunity is how do we if we're on the permissive side how do we learn about being loving and compassionate as well as offering you know loving limits and being able to say no when we when we need to and be able to look after our needs and if we're more on the other polarity of the of the harshness and the will how do we reconnect with uh with true will which is loving and compassionate so we actually bring in compassion so we can also you know coming into loving limits and being able to actually 
and say no in loving ways and, and listen to the feelings that underlie behaviors that we're saying no to, or we move in with attachment play or, you know, so I again see that so often a wonderful opportunity in partnerships of how that is, shows up in parenting and the opportunity to, to find that more internal balance between love and will or masculine and feminine inside ourselves through parenting. And the other thing I wanted to add is, I think is an extra thing added into the mix if we're wanting to practice aware parenting. So not only do we all bring, bring our own um, family of origin hurts, but often then there is the, the cultural conditioning. And often it is just one part, one parent who gets really into aware parenting. And then that's a whole nother layer because then it's, you know, one, um, you know, the old fashioned, the old cultural conditioning versus this new slash even older way of being and way of thinking about children and human beings. And that is humongous. And I, I really want to say, just as you said about compassion, not to underestimate the hugeness of that. We've not only got our, all of our own familial hurts, our childhood hurts, this whole cultural paradigm piece, which can be so huge. You know, if, you, if you're holding where parenting paradigm and your partner is holding more the more traditional you know what has been mainstream up until recently that is a mammoth thing to be working with and i think we anybody in that position um just so much love and compassion and empathy and understanding because that is a big thing to be dealing with and again i often do see that coming off across in in gender lines and again not always so my apologies if this isn't how it is for you but often I think if it's the mother and you're not an adopted mother and you've given birth, I often find that there's a, there's, you know, we've both worked in birth, you much more than I, that um, rite of passage that happens during birth that actually opens a woman up to actually really changing things in a ways that sometimes men who don't have that rite of passage into becoming fathers are not necessarily changed so much. And I do think there's something about that with, with aware parenting that, that, um, being willing to look at everything differently and that again can be so you know the big big conflicts happen between partners around that too mm, I love that I love that insight you just put in it's it's I, I agree 100% and I see that as well yeah yeah beautiful beautiful insights I love that should we dive into some questions yes yes okay so one of the questions here as the primary caregiver i feel a lot of the mental load of researching and learning about parenting and what feels right for my family falls on me my husband is always supportive and on board with adopting whatever i've been learning and finding out but i struggle with feeling that i'm a teacher rather than we're equals in learning about parenting Mm, I feel like many people could have written yes, this. <laughs> so I think so many people, and again, I think that is so often, and again, my apologies if this isn't fit for your family if you're listening, but it is the stereotype that we've often both seen is that the mother often gets into aware parenting and learns about it and reads the books and listens to the podcasts and then is trying to or not who's you know imparting this information so I want to say you are so not alone in this experience mm. and I suppose the thing is then to be working with is um what the, the part around um what did she say um having that sense of being the teacher and, mm -hmm. and struggling with it so I would be inquiring into you know what is what's lots of empathy what's that like for you how do you feel what shows up for you what does it remind you of um, are there conversations you can be having um, so that it, there is more of a sense of a sharedness about it and that may be in different ways so there may be ways that your partner does you know does brings in information that you that you perhaps don't I think often again that can be really seeing the strengths but you know really looking at what is this is there a way that you could almost relax into actually enjoying being in that role, being the one who's kind of offering guidance, offering information in really enjoyable, fun ways, mm. so fun to support someone mm. learning new things? I wonder what your thoughts are there. Well, I really relate to this because this, this is what's happened in my dynamic is it's a really strong desire and passion of mine to understand humans and I've always been like this <laughs> you know as a seven-year-old I used to say to my friends tell me what you see are my challenges like I remember just 
as a young kid getting friends to tell me, what do you think I need to work on in my personality? <laughs> like I was constantly, I've always been interested in humans and how we interact and relationships and all those kind of things. So it's it's a passion of mine, you know, not such a passion for my husband. Right? Now, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love being a parent and it doesn't mean that he doesn't absolutely adore our children or me. But I began to learn, and I remember feeling bits and pieces of this frustration when we were parents, if I was doing the work and I was exploring. But what I've loved, I guess, and I've learned in my dynamic is that it is always going to be me who's going to be seeking. I am a seeker. I want information. I want to learn. I want to understand. I want to grow. And my husband is really receptive to me coming back going, hey, this is what I figured out. This is what I've learned. He's like, yeah, okay, well, what will that look like? And he's never going to sit down and read a book ever, ever. Like he, he won't listen to podcasts. He, he doesn't do that, but he learns through me telling him stories or he, he learns through me modelling what it looks like and through being open and willing to have discussions around how could we do that better, which we've had many conversations about over the years when something hasn't felt good. We come back together when we're calm and I'll go, oh, how'd that feel for you? How could we do it better next time? Where are you sitting? And we've always been respectful enough to have those conversations to learn and grow together. So I think in my dynamic, and he even owns that, he's like, Layla's the one that goes and does the work. And then she comes back to me and tells me, and then I pass it off to my friends, like I've done the work. <laughs> so we joke about that. And he goes, but that's how it is. And, and, and I don't need him to be anything different. And I think, I guess what I would offer this person is just that I, he loves exactly the same in many different ways. And it's not that he won't, he would do anything for our children, but the development work of raising kids consciously is not something that he's like, wow, I really want to learn more about it. I think he just goes, that's your wheelhouse. Show me, tell me, and I'll be up for it and I'll, you know, I'll learn. So I think there is something, as you said, too, about really leaning into what does that teacher role feel like for you? And, and there's been many times where I have felt frustrated. I'm like, why isn't he doing the work and looking into this and then realising actually that's not going to help him do it and it's also making him wrong for not doing it and how can I find a place where I meet my needs in that and also, you know, feel like we're doing this together, which I absolutely feel like we are. So I really do relate to this question and I think I've just seen the 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 beauty in just knowing that we come from different places and that's okay. Mm, yeah I can also really resonate and um, what I found with the father of my children is uh, I would give all the information and then often I would you know he would come in with ways of being that I I hadn't yet embodied so for example loving limits with our daughter you know when she was about two for me you know I was very much on the love side very much on the uh, you know listen to a lot of feelings but loving limits were really took me a long time to get as we've talked about before and I remember him just several times just just really expressing these we us all three together and him expressing these beautiful loving limits and me kind of going no but I, I wanted you know I want to distract or and just really getting you know the gift of seeing him do that really helped me embody it more so I think it, again it's really seeing um you know the gifts that each, each partner brings and mm. beauty of that. Mm, yeah I love that too because I relate to that because Mike was very good at playing and being silly and fun and I was far more serious and he taught me a lot about that and I, I see that that was one of his beautiful strengths is the playfulness and all that joy and laughter that he still defaults to now, you know, and um, I see that, again, I thought just because I hold the feelings and I do all the that heavy stuff, you know, that, that makes it better, but it's not, it's, it's all valid and beautiful and, and adds the richness to the family. So yeah, I really relate to that. Okay. Let's move on. Also, you want to just want to add one more thing with lots of baby birds uh, making noise. <laughs> I hear that a lot as well. And again, my apologies, but on gender lines it is often the, you know, the mums who are like, Hey, I'm going to listen to feelings and often dads who are more, you know, naturally you know, not naturally but more still connected to that playfulness and again like really celebrating each person's um you know what where they feel comfortable and where they contribute it's really helpful mm, yeah so here's a quick one and then it'll lead into the next one how would you approach encouraging your partner to become more involved hmm. do you want to speak to that first marion well um first of all 
getting some listening probably from someone else around any feelings that you might have around them not being more involved if you feel frustrated or powerless or depressed or you know whatever that is going on for you and again this can often help us connect with younger parts and past experiences so perhaps if it's a you know, you're a woman and it's your male partner who's not being involved. It might remind you of your own dad and how was he and what, you know, how do you feel and, and actually getting some listening around that again. So that the more we come in with that piece already a little bit taken care of, the more we're going to actually going to be able to come in in ways that are inviting, perhaps playful, compassionate, you know, to really understand often if someone isn't involved so much, it's often because of feelings that they're protecting themselves from because, you know, being with kids helps us connect with our own, you know, child's experiences, our own hurts, our painful feelings. So I think the more we can do to come in and then come in with, you know agreeing to have discussions for 10 minutes with each person listening to each other or coming in playfully like oh you know would you like to do this or just you know an inviting willing loving way everyone is more likely to want to um, do more if they're invited in that way aren't they yes I love that Thank you, birds, as well. Um, no, I really love that. They're beautiful suggestions, Marion, because you're so right when we're, and I say this a lot too, when it's tapping into our own stories of not being supported or thinking they're not care, like there usually are some roots somewhere within that. So I love you brought that up. The other thing I would like to say about that piece too, and this may not apply, but I have definitely found this in my own journey, is I was a very capable woman and mother who used to do everything so there wasn't actually even much space for my partner to do stuff in the beginning. And my way of, I think, you know, feeling in control when I was actually feeling very out of control was to do everything and do it my way. And so there actually wasn't really that much space for my partner to be involved And because I was taking up all the space. And so part of him was like, well, there's no point lay, I was going to do it. And it wasn't actually until I went away for the first time, I think, when it was like the first time I went away for like six days and my kids were like five and two or something, two and a half, something like that. And um, my husband was like, oh, my God, you need to go away every year for at least a week and a half. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yes, because it made space for me to be with the kids and do it in a whole other way. And you do everything. And, you know, and, you know, he's laughing. He's like, they were late to school every day. <laughs> I go, did you feed them lunch? He goes, sometimes yeah probably but not till like three o'clock I'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like okay but they survived but what was really important for that for both of us was that I took up a lot of the space and did it all because I was capable and I could and I just knew how to do it and therefore on some level I was really sabotaging him actually being more involved and feeling resentful that he wasn't doing more things because A, I wasn't actually asking him and B, there wasn't enough space to. So that I'm not sure if that's what's applicable in this situation, but that is something that I definitely learned and went, right, I'm going away more often. And I still see that now. It creates spaces and more opportunities for the kids to lean into him in a different way. And yeah, so that might be helpful to someone. Mm. Yes, there can be all kinds of reasons, can't they, why we're like, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. And actually, we're really invested in it not happening like that. And we're actually not willing for that to happen. So it can be really yes. interesting to inquire into actually yeah, what's, what's mm -hmm. really going on. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. I, I think that's a big one that's alive in many people. Maybe you're sitting there listening to this nodding going, oh, actually, that's probably what I do. <laughs> All right, the next question is, when the partner hasn't gotten involved with aware parenting but agrees with many things I tell him about and you see so many situations where you want to step in because you can see how behaviours are hurting the relationship between partner and child, this can feel really big and tricky. Mm. Do you want to start? Yeah, and I think there are places where, like, it's really important to, well, as much as possible, like, beforehand, preventative, as much as possible, having discussions away from the children, having... Um, uh, you know listening time with each other and actually saying you know when would you like me to give you suggestions or how how do you find it easier or would you like to let's talk about the different situations that like away from the kids and I know that can be really hard to even have time to do that but the more we the more we do those things when we're already feeling a bit calm when we're actually getting to listen to each other you know the more likely it's going to prevent um 
you know, really tricky things because so often what comes up for people is, and again, it's often the person, it's often mums who are saying, no, you have to do it this way, and even the language, and you have to do it this way, or you should do it this way, or this is the way to do it. It all becomes, you know, right and wrong and good and bad. And then often the other partner goes back to younger experiences of being judged, being shamed, being told that they're not doing it right. So the more we can prevent that from happening in the first place by actually having the kinds of helpful discussions that's going to be helpful for everyone it's not helpful for kids to be around those kinds of discussions either and then just finding loving ways and that might be um, asking each other you know if you're if you're doing something and I can see you're maybe in a reactive place in yourself which is you know where harsh things come from always or or our own conditioning how would it be if I move in and just put my hand on the on your back with that you know what would help you in the moment because basically when we're going into those places in ourselves we need more support mm. not more judgment or you know do it this way kind of thing so I think really finding those ways to really gently support each other you know really seeing it as working together as a team and again that's going to be really hard so often because so often big hurts come up for us don't they like and again, it may be our own childhood experiences come up of you know being treated harshly. So if our partner's going in with a punishment or with a shaming, often our, our younger parts come up and remember being shamed or judged. So we've not only got adult us, we've got we've got those little parts going, no, I don't want you to do that. And of course, we don't want anyone to do that to our children. But the more we untangle it and get clearer about that and take responsibility, get lots of listening. Um, the more the more likely it's going to go a little bit more smoothly mm, that is so good that is such beautiful insights because I think that absolutely sits at the crux of most of those situations it, you know for me what I used to do if if I could see um <laughs> I used to I used to I remember saying this in a group I rang once for people in person and we were talking about how you just have only so much left when you're listening to kids' feelings and then you reach a point where you look at your partner and you go, can you please just deal with the kids And because you're so exhausted and then your partner comes in and just starts powering over and yelling and then you go, no, I've still got something left <laughs> and you're just racing because you're like, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to help me but I don't want you to come in and get angry and yell at them or punish them because that that doesn't feel good either you know and so we were kind of all laughing and joking at how all of a sudden you can be so depleted and then you're like no no I'm back <laughs> because I don't want that to happen um my husband and I what you know as we worked through these situations we we did come up with languaging that was when it's starting to get heated when we see one of us either out of balance and we're acting in that way that the other person will come in and say do you need some help right now and just that was usually the thing to stop us in our tracks so that we could both be like, yeah, and who's got more reserves in this moment to meet it compassionately and with understanding. And also we've shared this in our podcast from the, a young age when our kids were really, you know, could understand, we would say to them, if you see mom or dad acting in a way that's, with, you know, angry words or we're powering over you, we give you full permission to call us out on that. And our kids did. They, you know, we really empowered them to say, you can say you are not speaking to me kindly or I don't like what you're doing here. And that stops you in your tracks as well when you go, Oof, wow, I, I am, I haven't, I'm not in my centre here. And so, you know, we made a deal as a family that Mike and I would do it for each other, but also that our kids would call us out on it as well. And that was pretty powerful to do it. And I think, you know, you're exactly right. The point you bring up, Marion, which is so, I see that a lot, is when we're trying to say to our partner, do it this way or you should do it like that, it absolutely can tap people back into the I'm not doing it right and the wounded child parts of us and that can feel really powerless so what do we do we want to power back up and you know over and all those kind of things so yeah it's an interesting dynamic and I think it is as you say in those places of calm and connection where we go how can we do this better how do we feel it when and often when stuff did blow up a bit it was only after that Mike and I'd sit down and go how could we have done that better what do you feel what is going on here and and that you know allowed us both to own our own behavior and keep working towards we want to do it better yeah and and you know and just a little side note particularly teenagers um as our kids got bigger and older there were many times where something may have happened with one of our kids and 
what we've learned to do is we'd say to our kids, we're going to come back to you in a bit. And Mike and I would go into the bedroom and we'd both go, what are you feeling? And he would say, and I'd go, well, I'm feeling this. And we we made a commitment to unpack all our own feelings first before we even dealt with our kids so that we could actually clear whatever our fears were, what was going on, what was up for us, so we could come back to then communicate in a way that was far more centred so that we weren't being reactive. And that was something that has been very, very powerful with our teenagers. And you can't do that often with little kids because they'll just follow you into the room and they're right in your face and, you know, and we sometimes need to stay really present with them. But that has been a beautiful tool for us to pause a bit with our teens, go in, talk about our fears, what's going on for you, what do you feel, where are we at, and then come back to what, what would connection look like right now and how do we do this in a way where where do we need a limit or what do we need and how can we do it in a way that's deeply respectful and that's been just one of the best things that we've done for sure mm, I love hearing that Laila you know what I find helpful is also if we can have in our mind you know if our partner or or ex is is uh, responding harshly to our child or children they are responding either from their younger hurt parts their unexpressed feelings in the past one or their cultural and family conditioning that's where those harsh things come from so if we can hold that in mind and like have it tattooed (laughs) they're not it's just like with children all the things that we talk about they're not doing it deliberately they're not trying to be harsh they are they're in the past and if we can remember that we're more likely to be able to move in and sometimes you might we might even be able to move in with a little bit of attachment play like oh you know it looks like dad's feeling a little bit grumpy let's go let's all do the grumpy dance for a minute or something you know and sometimes you know sometimes if we can remember again the less likely we're in our own also our own younger parts or cultural conditioning the more likely we're going to move in in a way that's warm and loving and supportive for the whole family system which is through compassion or or attachment play or we may we may actually want to come in and actually almost get in between and and actually express a little bit of a a no or a limit but um we're not going to be able to do that very effectively if we're in a reactive past place in ourselves 100 percent Okay, next question. Um, really new to aware parenting, so really struggling to bring the hubby on board because it literally flies in the face of everything he knows. Biggest thing I face is that how do we know this works? All he sees is the increase in emotions in the house and he sees all the validating as indulging that we're going to turn them into horrible kids who get everything they want and allow to speak disrespectfully to us. Also, empathy is something my hubby is still learning, so asking him what compassion looks like or basically another is basically another language. He says he knows it's all fake and that he wants to help her get over it. I also really struggle to not always lecture or jump in when it's going wrong. And I don't think I'm very good empathy partner of him because I have judgment, but there's no one else in his life he can rage to. This is really tough, but I know it's the right thing for our little Lise. Oof, I really feel that. It's big, it's really big. I'm sending a lot of compassion and um, understanding about being in this place where part of you knows yes this actually makes a lot of sense to me but perhaps what's up with your partner is as you've mentioned before those cultural conditions or his own wounds that you know can't see perhaps what is possible there Mm, I'd love to add to that it's like really I think coming back to exactly as you said seeing the hugeness of this this is you know thousands of years of cultural conditioning that we are addressing and um changing this is not something that's that is easy and particularly if it is you know often again i would say i'm sorry i'm really generalizing on gender lines today but often because still at the, in this era and getting less and less so but dads often were brought up to say you know don't cry often boys who are now dads did get treated more harshly they were shamed more they were punished more they had more harsh limits um they were you know shamed for crying so often it is a you know really big step again both culturally and both and familiar familiarly so i just think so much compassion for everyone in the family about how big this is this is not a small thing it's a really big thing so just i think just oodles and oceans of compassion for everybody and about how hard that is because changing Mm. changing our core beliefs about human beings the true nature of human beings what makes us how we are what causes our behavior 
uh, you know, why we are the way we are, because when we when we look at this, if we're going to treat our children in a different way, that necessitates us addressing what happened to us and actually saying, oh, maybe it wasn't fine, you know, that I was treated in X, Y and Z way. Maybe I have got all these painful feelings. Maybe all the feelings I'm seeing in my child, I'm one, you know, guessing this might be some of the things that dad's feeling. Maybe I've got all that big crying, unexpressed and raging and you know, it's a humongous thing. And I just think, gosh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had just the massive villages of helpers and loving people who could just support us through it? Because it's, it's massive. It is. And, you know, some practical <laughs> suggestions. I mean, it, I really hear what you're saying, Marion, and and you know, what I take from that too is it is sometimes a very gentle work in progress because we are turning a big ship around that has, you know, driven one way for a very, very long time. I think the things I have found that has helped me in my own dynamic is when my husband has been upset or angry or sad, I have really modelled what um, that compassionate listening loos like. So I'll listen and I won't judge and I'm like, I hear anger and when it's passed and he's more in centre, I would have said to him, how did it feel for you then when I was just listening and offering you that empathy and compassion? And he could go, well, it felt good. And I go, okay, so can you see that if I had have come in like this and then I'd give him a stupid example of, yeah, but it's your fault because you should have done this and da, 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 like, and I'll come in with this, all these things. I go, how do you reckon that feels? And he'll be like, yeah, that doesn't feel very good. And I'm like, okay, so what do you think our kids need in that? So Sometimes it was really the way I responded to him and then highlighted how that felt. He could begin to say, yeah, actually, that's how it would feel better for, for our children. The other thing, too, is that um, I, I feel like, and not just with my partner, but with you know some families I've worked with, is that men need to see a role model of someone that they, they look up to or they respect. And, and unfortunately, I don't think we have a lot of this when it comes to parenting, but a really embodied man who does understand this, who meets his children with compassion and understanding, who talks to why this is so important. And when he could see that actually, yes, this is actually going to help our children to thrive and, and the science behind it, if, if they need that science understanding or um they need to see how powerful it can be and then the relationship that that can exist with your children that also helped you know we were really lucky when we um had little kids we lived two doors down from this beautiful family and um and Brian he had um I think four or five kids at the time and he was just a natural dad and and we had babies at the same time I think it was his fifth child and it was our first and Mike and Brian used to stand on the street and chat and talk with the babies and it was like there was this role model of how you could do it in a way, which was such a blessing, I think, for my husband, as equally I needed the female equivalent of that, of how could you do it in another way. So I think we need that, you know, in our communities for sure. We need those elders or those people that we can say, hey, yeah, there's a whole other way to do it. I, I mean, I, I look at sometimes things like, um, you know, the work that Gabo Mate is doing of just helping to understand where trauma comes from and the impact of it or some of the other really amazing people who've put work out there as to the why behind we're parenting and why it is so powerful, you know, that that can also be when we can show them, I mean, Elisa's books are amazing, right? But I don't know many people, men perhaps, and again, I know we're being really gendered here, that will sit down and read them all, whereas my husband wasn't going to, but he needed some other information or articles or science or whatever it was to help him go oh okay actually I can understand why this works and that started to make sense for him so I think it is is coming to your partner and whether it is you modeling what it feels like to be met with compassion and understanding or whether it's science that maybe gets them over the line or whether it's a mentor that gets them over the line but can we be open and look for examples of why perhaps it works in our community Mm, yeah, I'm remembering uh, that my children's dad and I, we facilitated a dad's group for quite a while. And that was so often a question that came up amongst the dads, is, you know, and from such a loving place, of course, because uh, around 
you know, will my child then be be an X, Y, and Z, you know, rather than this loving, helpful member of society, which I think, you know, we all want our children to be that. It's like, how, if, if I'm not punishing, if I'm not shaming, if I'm not, you know, being harsh with limits, are they just going to be these people who don't, who are, who are not helpful? And so I think it's such a big question. And again, it comes to the to the root of our conditioning, which is based on that, you know, we can look at behaviorisms based on the idea that if you if you want a child to behave in a loving, compassionate way, you need to use punishments and rewards. You need to change the behavior. And as we talk about all the time, and as you say so beautifully, Lau, this is all about looking behind the behavior and actually really addressing it at the root cause. And I think again, as you said, actually understanding that, understanding not only the the brain science but actually the psychological understanding of why humans act as they do so that that you know the mind gets really satiated with ah okay this is this is why it's not just a fliffy fluffy thing it's you know there's really strong on, on all levels of, of science that really understand that show us why this and how this works and the other little practical thing is you know when perhaps your child is agitated and antsy and isn't able to go to sleep and maybe they just you know all the things and maybe they have a massive tantrum or a really big cry and then really inviting that other um, parent to observe how they are afterwards so to me that is science too is we're doing our own experiments we get to see before during and after we get to observe and to, to really get to see notice you know how do they feel in their bodies their muscles are more relaxed they're smiling they're happy they they're asking what can they do to help they're able to go to sleep they're gentle with the dog they're cuddling their sister you know to just uh, I think just a few times of really experiencing that and to me that's the greatest thing about aware parenting it it's so obvious you don't need to I mean it's, you know I'm just kind of going against what I just said we actually don't need all that other science because we're doing the experiments ourselves and it's as clear as day do it a few times you see the clear difference and you don't need to be you know getting more affirmations from other people because it's just obvious so that would be another suggestion mm, I love that That's so you're so right and I think once you have seen that evidence and once you've lived it you just make just you go but how can you not yeah yeah but but again I, I want to come back to this as you're saying to the cultural conditioning of what we're dealing with is so big it is so big and and that's why I think when we are looking at our partner and we're wanting to make them wrong for not getting it or it's to really be really compassionate and understanding you know most of this was never modeled to us we've never felt it ourselves let alone seen it in action so of course we're going to come from this place of like no this is what i've been taught this is how i was raised this is the right way to do it because the fear is if we don't do this my child will end up being xyz you know and then that will reflect badly on me and so you know yeah it's big Okay. I'm going to just add I know we're saying the same thing but just you know to really get that this is this just isn't about parenting but it actually invites us to to question everything that we think about about being what it is to be human and that of course there's all kinds of parts of us that do not want to change it's challenging to change we need to face painful feelings past hurts you know it's stretching and changing is often not something that the psyche wants to do so again you know it's big this is really big <laughs> so big okay so there's kind of two questions here i'm just going to pull out the main ones because they're similar kind of thread uh, my partner is really supportive in the theory of listening to feelings but then whenever our seven month old is having a release he tries to distract her or stop her from crying and always gives reasons for her tears like she doesn't want to be in bed when he gives reasons, I take it so personally and get really triggered and mad. I would love some of your advice. So that's just, I'm just going to put that there. And then this other person's question, which is really quite similar, yeah. is um, three-month-old little one, my partner's on board but has trouble with crying in arms. I do most of it because he gets over it very quickly. Um, how can I support my partner with the crying in arms? We've been chatting about it, but his imprints around feelings and what he says is that he bottled up his feelings a lot as a kid because he didn't want to feel like a burden to his family. And he doesn't see that there's an issue with this because it's been a pattern that served him well in his life. So, so similar kind of themes for both these questions of, I kind of get it, but it feels really uncomfortable and hard doing it. 
And again, you know, it comes back to what we comes back to what we said right at the beginning is which our biggest, most painful hurts are going to show up in the relationship and in parenting when you got both together. So basically, you know, the, the partner who's finds it unbearable to listen to feelings is because there's thousands of hours of unexpressed crying sitting inside that body. Thousands. It's of course it's going to be scary and terrifying and all kinds of feelings. So again, just so much compassion about gentle ways, like gentle, gentle ways forward about um, oh, you know, even it might be first of all, do you do you have a sense of you that you feel upset or how do you feel in your body when you hear them crying? Or what what can I what would you like me to do when when I'm, you know, do you want me to also put my hand on you when, you know, whatever, just a little gentle, gentle steps. And then for that first question, the same on the other side is, you know, what's what is this reminding the, the, the mum of? Like she's being questioned. I imagine that might be like a dad or a male teacher judging her or questioning her or, you know, and again, that's so often common again in this culture around, around girls and wisdom and, um, you know, male teachers and things in the past that's been common too. So again, just lots of compassion for both sides because these are really, really, really painful things that, that show up, really painful which again is why we just always talk about if you can get an empathy buddy or a listening partner and you can find out on the free Facebook group about that or uh, Carolina Valencia Coleman's um, free Facebook group. It's so essential. This is, you know, sometimes you just go, oh, it's just a web parenting and you just listen to crying. You just do touch my, this helps us connect with the most painful feelings that we have been protecting ourselves from often for decades. It's big. Mm, it's so big it is and I mean sometimes you know I, I've worked with clients around this where I might suggest something like okay if you feel comfortable with the crying then perhaps just saying to your partner look I'm really comfortable with it I'm going to do this part I know you're far more comfortable with play so if you want to do that then that's okay but I'm, I'm really willing to keep doing that and and I think the more we do it and the more we model it, and as we've just talked about before, we see the evidence after of the child being more relaxed or more playful or sleep better or that kind of stuff, it's slowly, slowly, slowly we begin to see. We begin to see that it's safe. We begin to see that it's enough. And that as we, of course, if we're the one doing the listening to the feelings, we make sure we have our feelings heard around that and then we're doing it for our child. Like I, I just see that it works in the whole family. Even if the partner's a bit resistant and they're standing back going, I don't know, this feels tricky. You know, it might be for that first person just saying, I know you want to distract her or you say it's a reason, but I'm willing to just sit and listen. And if that's challenging for you, we can keep talking about it. But that's that's what I feel we I'm going to do here. And, and sometimes it is the more we model it, the more we see the evidence and it slowly starts to shift. Or you do open up those conversations around exactly as you said, what does this feel like in your body? Where is it at for you? And and to plant some of those seeds to go make so much sense why it would feel uncomfortable for you. Like, I, I, you know, in workshops, and I think you do this as well, Marion, of, you know, we, when a child is upset and we can be really present and still and listen to their feelings and then, you know, we can model it to adults go, so let's just imagine that you're upset. Tell me about something that happened during your day. <laughs> and so an adult might go into, oh, I had a really hard day at work and this happened and that happened. And as they're telling us what's going on, you pick up something and you shake it in their face and go, look at this, look at this thing here. Or do you want to drink? Put this in your mouth. Or, or you try and shake them or jig them to distract them from their feelings. And, and it can be funny as you do it with an adult. It helps them to see what does it feel like when we try and distract you from your feelings? What does it feel like when we're trying to make you drink something or, or you know, trying to distract you when you're telling me how you feel? What does it feel like? It doesn't feel good. But when you're telling me how you feel and I'm compassionate and I'm sitting here and I am listening to you, what does it feel like? And again, it might be that modeling as an adult, what does this feel like to you? Can you imagine then what it might feel like to our baby when we do that? And sometimes that can help us go, yeah, oh, okay, I, I get it. I get why. It still may feel difficult to do it, but I have an understanding of the why behind it. So that you might want to try that next time your partner's unloading about work, pick up something and shake it in their face <laughs> or not. <laughs> they might not like that. But, you know, I think it is. It's That's literally what we're doing sometimes is just trying to go, you know, I'm trying to make this, pretend this is not happening and let's make it all go away and actually can just doesn't feel good as a human really at all. 
it's a really great exercise it's one I've done for many years in workshops where you actually do and also try and jiggle them or you know just uh, here's a lovely book or here's your phone and and actually to see for most of us it will help us see what was done to us because some people will give up and some people will feel really frustrated some people will dissociate so again it's really helpful to see what happened to us and um, mm. another thing I was thinking as you were talking loud as well is if you know, if there's one partner who feels who hasn't perhaps ever, you know, cried as an adult or got comfortable with their feelings, and if you see your partner consistently holding the baby or listening to the toddler having a, a rage and listening to the crying, and they're there and they're calm in their body and they're I'm here and I'm listening, and I, I love you and let it all out, sweetheart. Is that there's a reparenting that can happen there? So I, I know that really happened for me, and even the doing of it, that I could feel as well as you know when I was saying to to Lani and I'm right here, I'm listening, sweetheart. I could feel that happening for the the younger parts of me too. And I so I think again, if the the other partner is open to that, to actually go, I know you want to run away and you want to stop it and you feel anxious. How how would it be even just to stay for two minutes and just and just see if you can also hear my loving voice or or even just feel you know sit close to me and feel my calm relaxed body feel how calm and relaxed my body is whilst I'm here with this crying because you know that somatic um sense of oh wow there's someone present which is what most of us didn't get there's someone calm and relaxed while I'm having these big feelings and that can start to help the person who finds it hard to feel more um, willing and more comfortable to, to feel more. Mm. Mm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, um, as a stepmom, I'd love to hear about navigating aware parenting across two households who don't communicate particularly well or necessarily share the same ideas around parenting. We only have our daughter with us a few nights a fortnight and she's starting to develop patterns of trying to hide her emotions from us despite our best efforts. I struggle to navigate how I can turn up for her without feeling like I'm perhaps overstepping. Um, just lots again, oodles and oceans and mountains of compassion about how hard this is. And I just think, um, you know, playfulness can be really helpful if you're feeling unsure. It sounds like in this position, maybe feeling, maybe kind of moving in and being a little bit playful because that can be really helpful. Like when there's, when there's big feelings and perhaps going right full full blast in can be a bit challenging to actually you know find ways to play because that can be really helpful and I know you know when we um you know my children been going back and forth for 10 years now and I remember in the early days like the the he's mine game which we share about I think it's a Lawrence Cohen game from playful um parenting um the book and we play the no he's mine no he's mine no he's mine and and uh, Michael and I, we would have, we would laugh a lot because there was parts of us that were also going, no, I want him, no, I want, I want her, no, I want her. So finding ways to do attach and play that can help, even if it can help both families, systems, that also can be really helpful. So surprising things can be helpful. Play is one of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I stand by too with some of the families I've worked with is that children feel intuitively who's a safe person even if they're not showing you right now what's going on when we keep creating safety emotional safety when we use play when we show interest in their lives when we're like hey I just want to hang with you and I don't need anything from you I don't have an agenda here I just want to be with you they feel that they do and even if and sometimes it, it's you know if a child has a wall up sometimes it takes a bit of time to melt that wall and that melting happens with play, connection, just being, hanging out. And it may be, you know, you just focus on doing that for a month and then, you know, one day you take the dog for a walk and all of a sudden they start telling you something and just play it cool. Don't jump in with, oh, my God, thank you so much for sharing my feelings. I've been so worried about you and now you tell me everything. They'll be like, okay, well, I'm not doing that again. Um, <laughs> just be cool and just be there because sometimes it takes a bit of time sometimes it takes time for them to really trust can I bring this to you are you going to freak out are you just going to listen are you going to get judgy on me like I and that is I think comes from the consistency of connection and that that expression of love that really is hey I see you and accept you and I'll meet you where you're at and so sometimes that is not pushing, even though you can see they're hiding it or holding it. It is just making the effort to be there and just keep working on it 
so that when they are ready, then they will kind of bring that to the relationship. So I have seen that work quite a few times that, you know, we just really work on the relationship and being. And then when a child feels ready, they're like, hey, can I tell you this? Or this is what's going on for me. And we just, we really be that safe person. Yeah, sometimes it takes a bit of time though. Mm. okay um we're almost at the end so i just want to do two more questions um some tips on bringing two families together to make a new family well my my big thing with that is um just listen to everyone's feelings <laughs> it's okay for everyone the answer to every every question basically <laughs> every every question you have that's the answer <laughs> yeah i mean i think the thing is when you bring two families together of course there's going to be feelings about it and it's okay for everyone to have feelings about it it's okay to be like i don't like that he's my stepbrother or i don't want that to share a room with someone or it's okay like just keep listening like and don't try and justify why it'll be great and we'll all get to go on holidays together and don't try and you know make it okay just listen yeah that sounds hard what else annoys you and what else feels tricky and just keep listening make it okay for them to feel that this feels tricky make it okay for everybody to be like oh this is hard you know you might want to have family meetings where you all get together and you all go okay well what feels tricky and what feels good and how could we all do it better as a new family together I would just keep working on communication on connection on listening to how everybody feels about it and also as the parent like to just be very mindful if you've got this utopian happy family so this is how we should look <laughs> like to just be very careful of no you know this my kids should be happy and grateful and this is how it should be and just to actually go it's going to find its space and um, sometimes that takes time and we need to be patient and I'm holding that vision of us all having a beautiful harmonious family but sometimes we've got to go through a bit of messiness to find our way there yes anything you want to add no that's beautiful All right, I'm going to just finish off um, one more question, which is how to get out of the blame cycle. And the examples here, why didn't you pack? And why is it always me doing everything? How to explain a mother's or a primary care giver's mental load to a partner? (laughs) Oh, this could be a whole podcast. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's, again, so much cultural stuff going on there, isn't there? And around often, again, the gender thing that in our culture, women have been conditioned to take on everything and take responsibility for it and not know just the unseen work. So just you know, love to anyone who's in that position, again, whatever gender you are. Um, mm, what was the question? I think also really just getting clear about rather than blame, just coming back to expressing feelings, I statements, and not because you and not even like I, I know often for women I, I know I used to do this a lot it's like but I you know before we even ask for something I've done this that and the other and I've done that and then and would you be willing to but you know all this kind of justifying is, is so much and we've talked about this lots in earlier podcasts around really incredibly powerful work of claiming our needs and how important they are and the big work that that is you know is involved but actually just to get really clear be able to clearly say I feel you know I feel really tired I need so I I learned this from NBC and I'm really grateful really specific requests I'm really tired I need some help would you be willing to do the washing up like really clear requests so in NBC uh, there's a thing femaleitis and maleitis and the femaleitis is um not making clear requests and saying things like, you know, I really need some support, but not actually saying really clearly and specifically what would meet our need for support. And and actually, you know, really having those specific conversations can be so helpful both on both sides. Like, because often mm-hmm. we go, well, why are you supporting me? But we're not actually clearly saying uh, this, this would meet my need as well. This, this doesn't, this would. And both sides, you know, that really clear communication, which is not always easy when we're exhausted and overwhelmed and pissed off and fed up and outraged and sad and depressed. So lots of love mm. and compassion mm. in the process. <laughs> totally. And I think it's that thing too, when we are in that blame cycle, when we're making it about the other person, we are deflecting from what we're actually feeling because we're really saying if you just did this my life would be okay but really as you say it's about well where are your needs not being met and how do you meet them or what do you need to ask for or all those kind of pieces and that's that's some whenever we're all about 
who's doing it tougher and um, and comparing and playing that game. We no one's ever going to win that game ever. We just become about competing, and and it's often it takes us to actually sit in what it is around where am I not getting my needs met? What do I need to create some more limits or boundaries in my world? You know, what is it that I really deeply desire here and how do I get that? And is there a story that says I don't deserve that? Or is there that story there that says I have to do it all because you can't do it right? And then if I'm not doing it all, then I'm not a good mother. Like there's so many threads that that impact how we think and feel around these things. And, and it is it's powerful to unpack them. And that can be with a listening partner or an aware parenting instructor or someone or a therapist or a counsellor to really get behind. Whenever we are projecting onto our partner around why they're not right or doing it the wrong way, there's always a story in it for us. And that's, I often go, let's look at our story first before we even take it to the partner to see what's going on. I also think too, I just want to address that mental load thing. Um, you know, I remember thinking that of we would go away and I've packed five people's bags and I've got all the groceries in that. And my husband would pack one bag and he would still be the last one to get in the car. And I'd be like, what? Like, Jesus. Um, and I used to get pretty angry and resentful around that. Until exactly what you said, I actually had to delegate. I'd be like, I I, I would really like you to pack all the dog stuff and this stuff and that, da da da. Can you do those things for me? Okay, yeah, no worries, right? So sometimes I just needed to ask and he would be like, yeah, I can do those things. Again, I would really, um, really recommend go away for a week and leave your partner to do all the washing and the food and the, you know, and I'm like, I'm making it sound like partners incompetent. They're not. But sometimes until you have to actually do it all, do you not go, whoa, there's a lot going on here. And I'm like, yeah, that's sometimes what we do. And sometimes we don't get it equally too and we can flip it the other way yes. if you are the main um, income earner and you're having to earn all the money for the week and you've got the stresses of how we're going to pay the mortgage or what's going to look like that's a whole other pressure so I think we can sit in our place and feel really angry and resentful when we're definitely not meeting our own needs perhaps we're not you know having their self-care or whatever it is that's going on for us and then feel in that place of resentment and actually if we can meet our needs we can also understand where our partner comes from then that's when we can shift the dynamic from competing to working as a team together and really going hey what do you need babe and then they're like what do you need and how do we do this together so we can all get our needs met because that's how we create more harmony in our home it's as simple as yeah. that <laughs> it's not <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> just like that I was, I was going to say that too two things number one is yeah if you're having a competition but I had a really hard day no but I I listened to uh, two hours of crying yeah but I was in a traffic jam for term no but it's like what what's post people needing both people are needing a lot of empathy for how hard it is yes. so in that moment could we both could you actually both shift and go oh we had a really we both had a really hard day oh gosh you, you had a really hard I had it we just can you just flip to have compassion rather than competing for the for what you could you know I know it's hard in those moments but it's possible the other thing I'm to think, oh sorry go 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 sorry, sorry. I was going to say, and if you are continuously competing, yeah. you're never going to get what you want. No. You're never going to because the other partner is going to be resentful and they're going to have their wall up and you're still not going to get your needs met. Like it doesn't go anywhere. No. You're better off just drawing a line and going, this is not working. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say is, you know, this is where I love my willingness work as well because so often and with all the blame things, we can, we, as we were talking about before, uh, and we can be saying, I, you know, why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? And actually, when we connect in with, am I willing? We are not willing for them to do that. Or we're not willing to have our needs for support met. And there are all kinds of things we can do to find willingness. But so that is where our power is. For me, that's why I love the willingness work. Where are we? When we're blaming, we're giving away our power. When we connect with, what do I really want? Am I willing for this? Do the work. That is where we really feel powerful. And that's where we come into power with, with our partner, our ex. If we're in blame, we are disconnected from our power. Never works. Feel shit. Sorry. <laughs> it does. And I have to say, your willingness work is just such a game changer, Marion. Like, I highly recommend everybody do it and get on it because it is, it's a really defining part of changing the story. It really is because it, it helps us to see how we're, where we're blocking ourselves or where we're still sitting in protection around what we perceive that we want 
and why it's not happening. So it's so powerful your work. I just highly recommend everybody doing it because it's it, it's empowering. It is so empowering. It actually helps you find your power and then create the life that you want when you delve into that. It's it's really it is really yeah. It's a game changer. So oh, do it. I feel so touched. Thank you. Oh, it's true. It's true. You gosh, you've taught me so much about willingness. It's amazing. Love it. Get on it, people. I'm sure there is a course. I know there's a course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's finish up. We've been talking for a long time. Anything you would like to offer? Uh, What's your offering, Mary? Um uh, how do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel? And would you like some empathy? Would you like to put your hand on your heart? what's what's shown up for you as you listen to us today what do you need uh are there any steps that you'd like to take having heard what we've said and and are you willing i'm gonna always ask that are you willing to to take a step towards that and if not why not and can you give some love to that <laughs> yeah that's you, beautiful yeah mine would be um can you find within you the compassion for your partner or your ex-partner and where they are turning up because as we talk about always we're always coming from those places of protection and we're always coming from those places that are how do I keep myself safe so can we meet that with compassion in our partners or ex-partners and can we meet that in ourselves in that place as well you know because um yeah as we always say compassion is uh is the way through or it's the starting place often so important all right any offerings you want to tell people about marion thank you lael as if anyone's been following my social media i've had a sale of twenty-five thousand different courses and it's the last one um just about happening now if you're listening on a Thursday night, a Friday morning. Friday morning's the last one. And it, I've got four really great aware parenting offerings from things like tantrums to how can we respond helpfully to our child's behavior. Little offerings, not big courses, just little, so little offerings. So if you're newish or you just want to dive in deeper to any of those, there's one on aggression as well. Um, I there's a half price sale on. So come and come and have a look and see if that resonates with you. Thank you for yes. asking, so I can so I can tell everyone about them. Good, do it. How about you, do lovely Leo? What have you got? Oh well, what I've got at the moment is a website that's just crashed, so I'm not going to tell anybody no, about anything. At the moment because I'm currently sitting in there. I'm sitting in the like, yep, I love technology. It's just being fixed. So you know. Yeah, look, just in a few days. Wait till my next podcast. Right tomorrow when it's all fixed. (laughs) You can find something. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We so appreciate your questions and your comments. It's so great. It's so beautiful for us to be able to answer questions around this because we really want to make sure that you get what you need. I mean, we do have a beautiful catalogue of podcasts now that cover many topics. And so we're really kind of wanting to to work um, to, you know, to give you what you need. So we might do, I think we're going to do another a whole one before the end of the year and then we've got a little offering yes. we're going to gift you for the end of the year which is going to be pretty beautiful so we might, yeah. we might possibly do a q a on sleep next yes and i our next one we'll, we'll we'll go and share on social media so come and, mm. come and share your sleep questions just yes. you know, that will be a juicy one yeah brilliant all right thank you for being here everybody mm, so much love to you Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.